0: This is a Federal News Network podcast.
1: The Army's newly confirmed top acquisition official names improving how his service buys and builds software among his top priorities. That'll mean both procedural changes to the Army's traditional acquisition processes and new ways of funding software development. But Douglas Bush, the new Assistant Secretary of the Army for Acquisition, Logistics and Technology, says those changes will have to happen as part of a conversation with Congress. Federal News Network's Jared Serbu has the details. Over the past few years of National Defense Authorization Acts, Congress has been pushing DOD to streamline its software development and purchasing processes, including by adopting the recommendations the Defense Innovation Board made in its 2019 Software Acquisition and Practices Study. And DOD, for its part, created a new software acquisition pathway within its new Agile Acquisition Framework. Bush says the army currently has six programs using that pathway
0: It seeks to get away from the waterfall approach to a more integrated, iterative, modern approach to software, trying to take advantage of the way industry is doing software. It will be also an ongoing discussion with Congress in terms of how we're using that authority and whether they're comfortable with a, a different approach where the funding might have to be more flexible to allow us to do it that way versus the more traditional approach. Um, for example, I don't believe the private sector distinguishes between r&d and procurement of software but we do so does that make sense anymore i'm not so sure but that'll be a discussion with congress to make sure they're comfortable with how we're proposing to use the authorities and whether or not um you know we can think differently about how we budget for software which will be critically important
1: congress has shown at least some openness to changing those budgeting processes too at the urging of the department and the innovation board, appropriators created a pilot program that lets software development programs use a single color of money rather than having to segment them along the budget lines of traditional weapon systems, R&D, procurement, operations and maintenance. So far, the Army has only requested permission to use that pilot authority for one of its programs, defensive cyber operations within Army Cyber Command.
0: We certainly need to, uh, to the extent we can, further explore the eight flexible funding pilot to show what we can do and then maybe open the aperture with Congress for more, you know, more authority in that way. Um, and I think there's some good efforts underway there, but it's certainly one of the things I wanted to try to do. That was a, a big deal for Congress to even create that pilot and uh, I like to see the Army be part of it.
1: Bush says one thing the Army needs to do to make sure it can make the best use of those authorities is to get the right people with the right expertise in the right acquisition positions.
0: We have a lot of software talent across the Army, a lot. Um, Army acquisition officers are among the most highly educated in the Army, but we've got to leverage all the talent across the Army to get better software. So there's people side to it, there's an authority side, and then there's a money side. So I can't say I've got a master plan, but uh, I want to develop a plan to, as I said, get us better than we are doing that.
1: One likely incubator for that talent is the Army Software Factory, which stood up as part of the Army Futures Command in Austin, Texas in the summer of 2020. One objective of that project is to foster a culture and talent pool that lets new software be developed in an agile fashion at the lowest tactical levels of the Army. A new software modernization strategy the Pentagon released this month makes clear that DOD sees the more than two dozen factories that are now up and running as a vital pillar in reforming its broader approach to software. For now, the Army only has one factory, but Bush says it bears watching.
0: Army Software Factory is a pilot program that's going to run uh, at least five years, possibly longer. I think it's early days, so the the cadres moving through there are learning some very valuable skills about how to do software, and I think the Army's going to get folks from the software factory who, you know, in other words, kind of graduate. We're going to put them in different places across the Army and then see, see how they can contribute. Um, I mean, I'm excited at the potential, for example, to have more people in uh, my PEOs who know about software and how to write it, helping advise the people trying to buy it. I'm all for that. So I think it's too early to judge it one way or the other, but um, I'm optimistic that it, it could be a way for us to spread more talent across the Army in many places, uh, my area of the Army, but also others.
1: Even though software is integral to almost everything the Army buys and builds, it's only one of the potential bottlenecks in the service's broader modernization strategy. That strategy, released in the fall of 2019, sets aggressive goals to develop new systems ranging from aircraft, to precision weapons, to missile defense, to network improvements, some of which also leverage other new authorities from Congress, like other transaction agreements and new prototyping authorities. Bush says the Army needs to show Congress it's using those new programs effectively.
0: I think uh, we will earn additional funding to field things if we show, you know, as an Army that we can get things through R&D, prototype, soldiers like it, get it in the field. So we got to put some points on the board, and I think we will. And I think that will uh, enable us to compete with all the other needs of the Army to ensure we get enough funding and modernization to achieve the goals. The secretary and the chief have to worry about the whole army, not just modernization. We give ourselves our best chance if we perform, and that's that's my goal. We've got a lot of efforts that are right at that tipping point over the next couple of years, so that'll be my focus. A lot of great work was done before I got here to get us to this point, so now it's, it's moving out from here to get it done.
1: Jared Serbu, Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network.
2: Hello and welcome to the Lessons in Leadership podcast. I'm your host, Shane Canfield, CEO of WEPA, and today I'm thrilled to be joined by Melissa Bradley, the founder and managing partner at 1863 Ventures, an investment company focused on bridging entrepreneurship and racial equity, and accelerating new majority entrepreneurs from high potential to high growth. Additionally, Melissa is co-founder of Venture backed Eureka, a community where small businesses gain unprecedented access
3: Worked during the week in uh, a full-time job and then clean houses on the weekend, but also took care of elderly folks and a staunch so advocate for elderly rights. Um, so that was probably the, the first leader. And then I would say the second leader, black communities experience and to phrase it in a way not based on anger, but really using data. And so I would say I've consistently been a staunch advocate for black and brown communities, but has evolved from being very reactive and saying, well, don't do this and don't do that, to saying, let me explain to you why I think it's important that we take this up and really letting the facts drive the discussion. Some of that probably comes from the fact that I've worked in two presidential administrations, and we all know that that just goes back and forth and often times based on rhetoric and not fact. And having six kids in a world of social media, I think there's something, the, the art of, of conversation based on facts and data has devolved to uh, opinions and pundits. And, and I think that's a challenge around leadership because your job is not, in my mind, to convince people, but to inform people and allow them to make decisions for themselves.
2: I, I saw you on a post uh, with the Washington Post, you um... Interview and you were amazing, and it's interesting to listen to describe what you just said because I could see all of that reflected in how you responded there. And um, make one other quick uh, comment about as a company grows, Wepa is growing as well, and you are so spot on. We have as as leaders, we have to let go and trust those people that work for us and empower them to do their job, and then
1: Learn more at Pluralsight.com slash vision. Anyone else have trouble sleeping last night and the night before that? Same. And I've tried everything, but it either doesn't help me sleep, so I'm cranky and tired the next day, or I sleep and then I'm drowsy the next day. Luckily, Seize the Night and Day is here. Go to SeizeTheNightAndDay.com to learn more about insomnia and how you can seize the night. And Carpe the Diem. Make their mission your mission because they will not rest until we all rest.